Welcome everyone to this mini episode of WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza. And the whole reason we are doing this is because we had a really packed weekend, uh, especially November the 7th, Saturday. Uh, they had like a, a big a lot of shows, uh, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, and the one that we are going to focus on today, Tokyo Joshi Pro's Wrestle Princess. Uh, in my opinion, this was the best show of the weekend of that day, especially. And the, it had the best match of the weekend. And so it wasn't fair that we weren't able to like fully go into it during the main show because realistically, uh, as good as the show was, uh, AEW and New Japan are bigger companies that they also like deserve to have uh, focus, you know? <clears throat> and so that's why Tokyo Joshi is getting a special treatment and is going to have this mini episode to go over the, the, the whole show uh, thoroughly. And we can actually take our time to to talk about each match because I think every match had something going on for it. Uh, maybe one or two may seem inconsequential, but even though there are things to go to look into them, and so let's let's get to it. This was uh, like I said, November the seventh, Tokyo Jiu-Jitsu Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Princess. It took place at the Tokyo Dome City Hall. Uh, this was, I do believe, this was the biggest show in Tokyo Joshi's history. So, <clears throat> you can imagine it was a, a pretty big deal. They started the show, they, Tokyo Joshi always starts the show with musical performances by the Up Up Girls. So, we had that. We had the usual uh, introductions and announcements. But, I, like, I'm not going to go into that because... It's just like announcements of 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 uh, whatever is going to be happening in the next next dates for them stuff like that. <clears throat> but the first match was Sina Shiori and Susume versus Mei Suruga and Moka Miyamoto. Uh, Mei Suruga is from Choco Pro from Gato Move. This is her first Tokyo Joshi booking. She. Like prior to this, she hadn't really been working outside of Choco Pro up till like back in March, which I think she did some Sendai Girls. And so I was incredibly happy to see May get some bookings with a big promotion and a big show. And she made her debut in a big show. And even though she was the new one in the match, she was the most experienced because the other three are rookies in the business and they're promising they, they have a lot of potential uh especially uh i think sina shiori and susume like separately they have a lot of potential uh if they keep on going so it was nice to see them like mix up may obviously with a bit more experience experience than the other two was able to like work the crowd better she is used to working crowds uh of 50 people inside the little Ishigaya chocolate square and so she she knew how to do it uh and so it was pretty pretty fun for her she she totally looked like she belonged i think when you compare tokyo yoshi versus 
pretty much every other promotion, like Joshi promotion in Japan, Tokyo Joshi tends to be the one that looks uh, to be more about uh, just just happy talent. <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but like if you look in, into Stardom, for instance, it's a lot of like uh, wrestlers that look like supermodels and it's all drama and like stable wrestling and, and like people hate each other. And then you go to like Ice Ribbon or Oz Academy and you're going to have a lot of uh, older wrestlers and you're going to have also just a, a lot of women that are trying to to portray themselves as either like a top level like wrestlers or as sometimes models. That, that's the reality. But when you look at Tokyo Joshi, they have the kawaii factor, the, the cute factor. And I think May is perfect for Tokyo Joshi. I think she has that charisma that Tokyo Joshi really, really tends to to bring out in people. And so I'm, I'm happy for her. Uh, unfortunately for her, uh, she lost the match. Uh, Moka Miyamoto took the pin uh, f from the other team. And and so, I mean, she's starting with a loss, but I mean, nonetheless, it's it's the beginning. You know, you have to start somewhere. So it was, it was pretty enjoyable. I, I give this match like about 2.5. Like, let's not forget, they are the rookies. It's it's the opener, but overall I thought it was really really enjoyable. And then we had Haruna Neko and Marika Kobashi versus Mahiro Kyuri and Poem Harajuku. This this is a match of just like putting. Uh, it felt like putting everyone that wasn't involved in something into a match, but if you look at our previous Tokyo Joshi uh, shows. This tends to be the opener type of match or the second type of match. Uh, Haruna Neko is a wrestler that dresses as a cad. Uh, oh man, it's really hard to <laughs> explain everyone's gimmick at this point because it's it's hard. But uh, like it's just imagine like a, a confetti. This was a confetti type of match. Like a, like a lot of characters going against uh, each other. And the only thing I guess here to to mention is that Kiryu and Harajuku have been teaming for a while. They are not top contenders or, or anything close at this point, but they are the type of team that can grow eventually into becoming uh, contenders. And so they, they got the win here. It was good for them. Um, that was pretty much it. Uh, I gave it about also like a two, 2.5. Um, nothing really special out of this. Like I said, it's it's still the opener. But that that's, uh, I think that was like the last of the openers. Like the rest start to feel like way more important. Uh, we had the very first, well, not very first, but like the first of two international princess title tournaments in my final matches. Um... Uh, the first one was Hikari Noah versus Mirai Mawimi. The this so the the tournament here, I think it was like really nicely crafted so that the final four, uh, the other ones being Choko Nagajima and Juki Kamifuku, the final four all had something going for them 
when it came to the international princess title. And that's something that I really like. Many, many times when we see a single elimination tournament, we know that one or two guys have something going on for them, but the rest are just like part of a bracket and that's about it. And in this case, we have what well, we have Hikari Noah, who has been chasing the international princess title for a long time. Um, I saw her like in, in the January 4th show they had, uh, and she's been chasing the title. I mean, pretty much since she is one of the girls in the, in the up, up girls who do the, the special like entrance ceremonies and all that stuff. And so she, she's not someone that like gets a lot, uh, like a lot of praise or a lot of, uh, opportunities. And so she's been like, you know, fighting towards getting to, to that position to be a, a title holder. Mirai Melmi is kind of similar in the sense that she's someone that's up and coming. Um, she is, I would say the powerhouse of the whole promotion. Um, it's not like Tokyo Joshi doesn't really have powerhouse type of wrestlers. Uh, she is the one. And she has been on a path to pretty much like establish herself as a legit wrestler and someone to take seriously. And so obviously winning the title would be a really, really strong step. And in, in this particular match, uh, we saw Hikari Noah win with the Blizzard Suplex, um, which she just recently uh, developed, I guess. And, but like the, the match was pretty back and forward. Uh, but we, we did see Hikari Noah take a lot of punishment. So it is slightly building towards the final as, uh, she's going to go into the final, uh, having worked a, a heavy match. And then the second semifinal was like I mentioned, Shoko Nakajima and Juki Kamifuku. And likewise, these two wrestlers have, um, stories going for them you know choko nakajima has been the princess of princess champion she has been she's been in aw we've seen her there uh and she's fighting to become the first ever triple crown in tokyo joshi uh, on the other hand kamiyu is incredibly popular right now she is someone who has improved a lot in the last year uh she has like not the best kicks because that goes to someone else in the promotion, but she has like a great, great arsenal when it comes to kicking. Um, she is known to be the wrestler that comes out to the old McDonald's song, which I think uh, it for people in the U S or I guess just like maybe America itself. Uh, it's really interesting because like on this side of the world, that song is seen like a kid's song, but she comes out to it and, and people love her. Uh, so like I said, she's, she's really like her, her popularity has been growing. Uh, she is someone who I think a lot of people may not value her wrestling, um, uh, capacity because she is a bit of a model. Uh, looking type of girl like she's beautiful and so 
I, I think in the past people have overlooked her and she is fighting for the title because she wants to be like again like be seen as a, as a credible legit wrestler and and that's it so this was another great match uh well it wasn't great it was good i i gave it about a i gave it about a three or two point three quarters <laughs> uh but it was it was good uh choco's fantastic like uh choco's really really short compared to Camille. and so there was like a, a nice size discrepancy uh so Camille like was able to to land some really really good kicks um but at the end Camille won with the fame master which is her her finisher and I would argue that she she's not gonna go into the finals as hurt as Hikarinoa. Um but nonetheless she had to go against Choko Nakajima, who is no joke. And and I think if you ask people before the show like who they thought was gonna win, maybe not the whole thing, but like for sure this match, uh, I don't think a lot of people consider Kamiyu to be uh, a good contender to win. And I think a lot of people expect Hikari Noah to win the championship. I, I think those were the two the two uh, opinions that I saw the most prior to the show. So we'll we'll talk about the finals when we get to it. But uh, next up we had Yuna Manase versus Raku. So this like Yuna Manase used to be. Uh, I mean, she she was a, like an indie wrestler that used to do some Tokyo Joshi before. She left and started doing. Uh, I think she was in Stardom like for a couple of shows, and I think she did like more Ice Ribbon and Sendai Girls, like that that type of stuff. Like she 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 went around and got experience, and now and so now she comes to back to Tokyo Joshi, but because I think she has officially joined the Gambare uh, roster which is also another promotion under the cyber fight uh, umbrella. And so she comes back. She now has like a bigger name. She looks legit. She looks like a like a wrestler from like a Joshi wrestler, maybe from uh, the 90s or so. And and she's going against Raku. Raku, I don't know much about her other than Part of her gimmick is that she falls asleep <laughs> during matches. Uh, but we only saw that like early in the match. It, it wasn't part of the match. They actually had like a good uh, competitive match. Juna was the total veteran and she ended up winning with a lariat under just like under 10 minutes. But I, I think if she starts if she starts to do more shows with Tokyo Joshi, she will become like a good type of like um veteran wrestler for the other girls to work with so they can get better so good good for for this whole thing um like it was a short match but i think it will help establish juna back into the promotion next up we had what was in my opinion the funnest maybe not the best but the funnest my favorite match uh of the whole weekend this was just incredibly fun and that was the Wrestle Princess switching random rules match between Saki Akai and Hyper Misao. So 
Hyper Misao and Sakiakai have a long, long history together. Um, but weirdly enough, their their history together is with their other personas, uh, being Saki Sama and well, I guess Hyper Misao has always been Hyper Misao, but they had like a really long history. But this is just Saki Akai versus uh, Hyper Misao. And the stipulation here is exactly what it sounds like. We have rules randomly changing every time someone can press the button on top of the turnbuckle. So it just imagine like there's a button in the in the turnbuckle and you go and click it and the 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 video uh, screen is going to tell you what your next stipulation of the matches and these are all stipulations that were sent by fans by request of hyper missile prior to the match and so like let's let's go by them one by one <laughs> the first stipulation was that no kicks were allowed so obviously saki akai had a lot of trouble because 90% of her arsenal is kicks. He even like hit a like a big boot and try to argue that if you hit someone with the with the bottom of your foot, it's not actually a kick. Um so this was just like it, it was like a small taste of things to come. It was fun. Uh there was another like hap uh funny spot where Misao tried pinning Akai with her feet on the ropes. And she was arguing that it wasn't a kick, but then the ref was like, yeah, but like feet on the ropes are always illegal. <laughs> so it was just like that type of, of comedy. It was, it was a fun start. The second rule, uh, that this was like the, the most crazy one, uh, in my opinion. The second rule was that each competitor had to do like five turns on the DC bat. So the, a DC bat is when you put a bat or like a stick on the floor and you put the the other end on your forehead and then you spin around so that's a dc bat and they had to do five rounds before uh their pins could be legal and if someone kicked out of your pin and you wanted to pin someone like again you had to do the dc bat again and so this led to a lot of like uh drunken style spots where i mean they were just like dizzy <laughs> both both uh women and it was just like a, a lot of fun. Like I, I cracked at a, a spot where Hyper Misao goes for a flying crossbody, and like Saki Akai is several feet away from from her. Like like there was no way she was even gonna touch her. It was just a like a really really fun second rule. But obviously it was a really tiresome probably for them. At, at the end they both kind of agreed. To just like press the button because it was way too much the third rule that came was that each competitor had to eat a bag of chocolate cream puffs in order for their pins to be legal uh this is actually a a, a callback to to hyper missiles past i don't remember how she came about that stipulation but she has done that stipulation before. She, I think she really, really likes chocolate cream puffs. But th this was a short one. Uh, the, the thing, the only thing that happens is that Misao 
tried to trick uh, Saki Akai by putting all her puffs into Saki's bag. And like at this point, Saki totally saw the action and she was like, I am having this shit. And she just pressed the button. So that was a short one. But I, I guess it was just like for the callback. Uh, the fourth rule was that each competitor was going to have a surprise wrestler as their teammate. Uh, or not teammate, but like just as backup, uh, legal backup. Uh, and so Saki Akai's was um, Eruption's own Sakaguchi. Uh, they are the six-man champions in, in DDT. And Misao's was the boss himself, Sanshiro Takagi. And so this didn't last long. It really just was about three spots. The first spot, Sakaguchi took out uh, Saki Akai by accident. And then Takagi took out Hyper Misao by accident. And then uh, Takagi and Sakaguchi just kind of like started wrestling with bats. And they took each other out out of the match. So that was that was pretty much it for, for that one. And then we had the final rule, which was a last woman standing. And, and that was like just legit a last woman standing. That was the final one. We saw a lot of just like uh, spamming big moves and... And at the end, Misao just wasn't able to to answer the count, and Akai won. And it was like a, a good ending to the comedy things because, like the the last minutes of this match was just like straight up good wrestling, big moves, and like no more shenanigans, and, and it was fun. Uh, Hyper Misao like was fantastic. He she is just incredibly funny when she needs to be funny and she's really good when she needs to just be serious. Uh, so I, I really, really enjoyed this match. It was just tons of fun. It was, it was fun not knowing what the rules were going to be. And so, and, and, and maybe the wrestlers themselves, like, well, I mean, they obviously know what the rules were going to be, but like, like their reactions were felt like really natural. So it was just tons of fun. Um, like I really, really enjoyed this. And that pretty much set us up because the rest of the show is just going to be straight up like, like, I don't know, like high quality wrestling, more dramatic. That was like our, our little comedy intermission. And the next match was, uh, I guess a dream partners type of match between Miyu Yamashita, the ace of Tokyo Joshi versus... Aja Kong, the Aja fucking Kong versus Makito, who is who is slowly becoming the, the Naito of Joshi wrestling. She is becoming like a cult favorite and her partner, arguably one of the best uh, independent so far uh, wrestlers in the Joshi like industry. That being sorry, this this match had three like um, goals to achieve. The first one to see the interactions of Makito versus Aja Kong because we knew that was gonna be hilarious. The next one 
to see Jamashta versus Sari because Jamashta, in my opinion, is the ace of Tokyo Joshi and Sari is just a fantastic wrestler. And so I think a lot of people just wanted to see them go uh, go wrestle themselves. And finally, to see Jamashta versus Ito, who had been like working together for a while. They, they ever since the tag team tournament, like they, they started like doing things together and, and it led to this match. So when we're talking about those three things, I think it was a success. Uh, if you follow Sari, there was also maybe a year ago or so, a uh, Sari versus Ajakong match where Ajakong beat the shit out of Sari. And so you wanted to see some vengeance. I don't think you got it. Sari actually took a hell of a back fist from Kong. Uh, so maybe next time. But other than that, I thought the match was really fun. Obviously, this is not going to be high quality wrestling because even though you have Jamashita, Sari, and Ito, Ito who has improved a lot in the last months, Aja Kong obviously is not in her prime anymore. She did bring the match uh, to a slower pace. Uh, she cannot do much other than chop you and backfist you like like fuck. But I thought it was uh, a great like little clashes here and there of, of styles and, and paces and everything. And it, it had some comedy. It had some amazing wrestling. Jamashita's kicks are something to like behold and, and put in a museum. They're, she's fantastic. And at the end, it was all Miyu versus Ito, and Miyu won with the Crash Rabbit Heat, and that sets it up. And uh, like, I, I think that was the right thing to do. I like, I was, I didn't see Kong taking a pin, Sari. Uh, I didn't see her taking a pin, and not because she is WWE uh, bound, but because I think Tokyo Yoshi does respect bringing in um guests i guess in this case and they're not gonna like have them take the pin and realistically jamashita had to pin ito ito is someone who doesn't win a lot but that is her whole character that she loses a lot because everything gets on her head and so uh, to me it just made perfect sense um it is sad that sorry is still wwe bound because she is fantastic and, and she could be she could be a world champion anywhere she wants to go except the the fed so it's unfortunate but awesome match i give it about a, a tree uh three stars it was really really fun we had the announcement that there's going to be a wrestle princess 2 next year on october the 9th so awesome i i am looking forward to it it's, it's nice to see tokyo joshi create an event that they are now going to build as their biggest event of the year um it's interesting i guess that it's on a a fall show i i don't mind it at all so i'm happy for them uh they seem to be growing a lot uh and they also had the announcements of that alice endo i don't know if it's alice or aish uh but i think it's alice or alice maybe <laughs> endo uh, and now Kakuta are joining Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling as, I guess, trainees at this point. I don't think either are like that high experience to not be considered trainees at this point. Uh, 
and we go into the the final run of the show this is where things get crazy and, and fantastic we had the finals for the international princess title tournament uh currently vacant the the story of the title <laughs> it's kindly cursed but uh, the final champion was Tonda Rosa. Uh, she took the title from Makito back in, I think it was still January. Yes, it was January. And uh, she obviously couldn't defend the title due to COVID uh, restrictions. And so she had to vacate the title. There was a tournament that started a couple of months ago. No, it was last month, I guess. <laughs> I'm confusing my tournaments because Tokyo she does have a lot of tournaments. But... Um, we're finally to the end. It's Hikari Noah and Juki Kamifuku. And this was really short, um, which makes completely sense. After both women had like about 10 plus minute matches prior uh, physical matches, there was no point in doing like a long match at this point. It was just, I think like under or about eight minutes. And... I think this is the match where a lot of people also expected Hikari Noah to win. And and so once again, Yuki Kamifuku just persevered and shut everyone's mouth and won the title with an avalanche fame acer, acer, uh, whatever you want to call it. Like Kamiyu's path to not being left behind is finally fulfilled. She is a champion. In, in the promotion, she is a champion that actually, uh, I mean, the title is international and there's not a lot of women in Tokyo Joshi that is as international as Juki Kamifuku. So it was fun. Uh, it is it is sad that Hikari Noah couldn't fulfill her Cinderella story, but when it comes to Tokyo Joshi and Tokyo Joshi storytelling, Hikari Noah is going to eventually get hers and it's going to be fantastic. Like, people praise Ghetto for long-term booking. But if you want to see long-term booking, look at Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Uh, they're, they're, we're going to see it in the main event. But if you want to like learn about Hyper Misao or if you want to learn about Makito, those characters have been on a path like of development ever since their debuts and it like the stories of the women in Tokyo Joshi don't start when they join Tokyo Joshi uh so like for instance Makito used to be in a teen uh pop music group <laughs> I guess uh, I don't remember what the proper term for this it it's pretty much that and she was being left behind in that group. And so she joined wrestling to, to get more fans. And now she has created her Ito respect army and all that things. And you had like someone like, um, let me think, um, Mahiro Kiryu, I, I believe. And she used to be, um, like a salary woman, like an office employee. And she hated that part of her life. And so she decided to become a wrestler you have hyper misao who one day saw a street fight legit street fight in the street between sanshiro takagi and someone else i don't remember who the someone else is but it was a ddt show that one of those 
where they just start fighting the match and people gather around and one of those was Hyper Misao and she fell in love with wrestling and she decided to to start wrestling. So a lot of these wrestlers, they all have like amazing stories, stories that eventually become part of their like gimmicks and personas and those gimmicks are developed through years. And so that's why when I see someone like Hikari Noah lose, I know that this loss is going to mean so much for her going forward to eventually become a champion because she she has everything uh like she, she's lacking experience obviously at this point but she has the look she has a charisma and i think she has a bright future for her if she just keeps on working we go into the princess tag team title match and again long storytelling Bakureta sisters are challenging Miu Watanabe and Rika Tatsumi, who are the champions. And so we have two stories here. Watanabe and Tatsumi won the titles about 300, like, it was like a year ago, actually. And they just been defeating everyone, like top to bottom. They just been unstoppable. Uh, Particularly, Bakureta sisters challenged for the titles at January 4th. I was there and it was a fantastic match. I think it was like my favorite match that night, I remember. But like, they they just been beating everyone. And on the other side, you have the Bakureta sisters, uh, Nodoka Tenma and Juki Aino. And they, they are a team that I think a lot, like I don't know much about them like their storytelling, but I do believe their team is slightly a bit of being misfits. Uh, I think Juki Aino used to be the announcer for the promotion, and then she decided to like fulfill her dream of, of actually wrestle. And Inoloka Tenma is a short girl. Uh, she doesn't get, I guess, many opportunities as a singles. And so they decide to team up and they... they it comes up that they're actually pretty good together and they start ranking uh, some wins and they get a chance for the titles and they lose. And so it's back to the start of the line and they start fighting again to to reach that point where they can when they can challenge for the titles again. And and so they, they finally get the title shot for, for tonight and they are going against the unbeatable team of watanabe and tatsumi they are just unbeatable like <laughs> no one has been able to touch them and and so there's obviously like the the belief that i mean can the bakuretsu sisters even do it like they're they're not particularly like amazing they're not like uh they are not uh magical sugar rabbits or anything of the like and this is an upward fight. And so the, the match was fantastic. Uh, Watanabe and Tatsumi worked on Juki Aino's leg. And that gave us like a, a two really awesome perspectives from both Tenma and Aino. Because Aino's like whole uh, mannerisms and face reactions and everything. Like she seemed like she was hurting uh, from the ankle or the leg. And but at the same time, like you could you can see in her face the pain of having to cost her teammate like the match. And so she was hurting and she was fighting through the pain. And on the other side, you, you have Tenma who 
it's just like seeing her friend like not able to get the, the tag and she is in pain and she wants to help her but she can't and and it was just fantastic drama and it's a fantastic like i don't know like performance of friendship between tenma and aino and obviously watanabe and tatsumi are, are fantastic together they they just work naturally together and and it's a fantastic thing and 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 it was just like a really really nice heartfelt thing to see uh tenma and aino win the titles uh and finally finally you get the big one and finally after like a whole year of fighting through uh everything they finally won the titles and and it was great and and like the match wasn't exactly anything uh like unorthodox or anything it was just a basic juki aino was cut from her corner uh she got her leg worked on and we had the hot tag and then we led into the the end uh run where everyone like goes crazy all over the place and that was it uh like i i like i will admit that i'm not always the biggest fan of this for ladies um because when you see their entrances sometimes it is incredibly annoying how happy they are <laughs> but once it came into the match it was just drama and it was like seriousness and it was just like fantastic acting i i really really enjoyed this match i gave it four stars and this is this is a, a match that I, I cannot wait to see again now with the things turning around where the bakuretsu sisters are the champions i am i, I am like really looking forward to this <clears throat> and then we go into the main event this i've seen people give it five stars I gave it four stars and three quarters because I don't know. I, I, I can't tell you why, but once it ended, I knew it was the best match that I've seen in a long time, but I, I, it didn't feel like a five stars. Uh, but nonetheless, like three, like four stars and three quarters is arguably five for a lot of people. Uh, like if you if anyone who argues for a quarter of a star like i mean get out of here <laughs> but this was the princess of princess title juka sakasaki the champion defending against misuki her best friend and this was beautiful the story between these two starts i think in 2018 where at this point, Misuki is part uh, like she's in the middle of her Ito Respect Army storyline. She is tag teaming with Makito. But then out of a random uh, lottery, Misuki and Juka Sakasaki have to team uh, for a tournament. And it ends up being that they they have amazing chemistry like they end up being like fantastic together it's like they've been teaming their whole life they 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 can finish each other's uh moves and, and they they can talk to each other without actually talking and it's fantastic and so from there on they become just the bestest of best friends like they love each other and fast forward to 2020 summer 
Mizuki won the Tokyo Princess Cup, and it was a hard fought battle to win, but she wins it, and she earned a shot at Sakasaki's title. And this is Mizuki's, like, you know, first big shot at a champ of the championship, the championship, the Princess of Princes. And shows and so she's taking it seriously. And even though like they are friends, like she knows that she's going against Yuka Sakasaki, who is like no joke, one of the best wrestlers in the world. And so she's gonna take it seriously. And in order to do that, she is willing herself to hate Sakasaki. She is like willing herself to to put her friendship on the line and and ignore her friend and become distant and cold because she knows that the Princess of Princess title is on the line and that's the whole reason she's she's a wrestler, you know, and that's the whole reason she's here because she wants to be the champion. And and that was like that like that just thing it's beautiful and the match hasn't even started <laughs> and so we go into the match uh and it was two women just going full force against each other because they knew what what was in them what was the price of the match and and so we saw misuki work on juka sakasaki's Upper body for the most part. Uh, her arsenal, her main arsenal, is a foot stomp, and so she hit foot stomp from every corner of the ring. Like she, like first row, second row, third row, uh, out of nowhere. I don't know springboards, and she hit at one point like one from the top row all the way to the floor. She was hitting foot stomps, and she destroyed Sakasaki's uh, midsection. And on the other hand, we had Sakasaki working on Misuki's leg. And she just went to that leg. And and obviously it, it makes sense because you want to stop Misuki from hitting foot stomps. And when she hit the foot stomp from the top rope to the floor, like you could see like Sakasaki's work had actually uh made things worse for, for Misuki. And when she hits that move, like Misuki is hurting like crazy. She's screaming like out of her lungs. She's like, oh, what the fuck? Well, not saying what the fuck, obviously, but uh, she is screaming and in pain. And so they keep on going and they they hit like even bigger and bigger moves. Uh, like Sakasaki at one point hit the magical girl splash and, and, and only to get like Misuki's knees. And 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 they kept on going and, and they gave everything they could. But at the end, um, Sakasaki managed to to hit the magical girl splash and and win and and after the match like they're all beaten down they can't even stand up but like they drag themselves and they stretch their hands to like grab each other because they love themselves like they, they love each other and it was just like like beautiful it was like i have tears right now thinking about it but it was just like a fantastic performance of two best friends fighting for the biggest prize in the promotion and and that is how you make your titles mean something and that's how you make characters and the relationships between characters mean something like at this point if misuki ever ever 
were to turn on Yuka Sakasaki, you would feel it like a dagger to the heart because at this point, after this whole thing, like you know that Mizuki and Sakasaki love each other and that their friendship is, is like the greatest thing in the world. And, and, and that was it. Uh, after the match, like everyone, like the, Sakasaki and Mizuki are obviously like crying as crazy. Uh, Miyu Yamashita was on commentary and she like before the match ended she just ran down to the ring because she wanted to be next to them and she started crying and all the girls from the back come out and some of them are crying and, and they're just like hugging each other and they're like they thank the, the crowd and it's just like an explosion of emotions uh of a show this was just like an awesome show um uh, <laughs> I, I saw Power Struggle in full gear and I was like, holy damn, that was pretty good. And then I saw this show and I was like, Young Bucks, like bunch of carnies, like they got nothing on Yuka Sakasaki versus Mizuki. Like that is legit just the greatest thing ever. Um, I think I implore everyone to go and listen to this. I mean, not listen, like watch the show and especially watch the main event and, and try to find videos of of storytelling of Tokyo Joshi. I'm going to try to share some on Twitter because it is legit. Just fantastic storytelling top to bottom. And I don't there's I, I think you should go watch the match for sure. There's some spots that I even want to talk about, but I don't even want to like mention them because I think you should watch them uh, like by yourself. But Mizuki has like some amazing, amazing moves right now, like fucking uh, amazing red uh, Will Osprey level of moves. Sakasaki's uh, performances sometimes is just like uh, Adam from um, the Adam and Mike big audio nightmare like mentions it before, but he he said that Yuka Sakasaki is best when like in the moments in between spots because she knows how to do those little things to make it seem like the match is still going on so like it, sometimes we see a wrestler where between spots they just like lay down or they just wait for the next move sakasaki like takes those moments and makes them worth watching um they are just it's just a fantastic fantastic promotion um like like i said before i think a lot of times because they are connected to cyberfy and ddt so closely like they get overlooked <clears throat> uh and because of the the thing that i said when i started they don't have supermodels like stardom or or they don't have legends like ice driven and os academy but tokyo joshi is in my opinion the best female wrestling to just Joshi promotion uh, in the world. Uh, nothing is really coming close to it at this point. Like stardom has the, the pageantry and I mean, they have fantastic wrestlers. I'm not going to say that my Iwatani is not amazing. She is one of the best wrestlers in the world. But in my opinion right now, Tokyo Joshi pro has, has the best Joshi female women's product in the world and they need 
um, they need that recognition. And, and that's why I'm doing this whole mini episode uh, because they definitely deserve this attention. And that's going to that's gonna be it for for this mini episode. I hope you enjoy it. I, I am like my voice is going because I am broken inside of, of the, the friendship between Mizuki and Sasaki. If you like this uh, mini episode version of the show, uh, let me know on Twitter. So maybe we can start coming up with more mini episodes where we where we talk about things maybe from the past or shows that don't necessarily get enough attention. Uh, I am totally down for it. <clears throat> But for now, um, that is it. Remember to like, subscribe, follow, whatever applies to Spotify or iTunes. Leave a review, five stars, whatever you have to offer. Uh, you can go to dwrestlingrevolution.com where you can read the full review of the show. You can go to dwrevolution at Twitter to follow me and to get more updates. And to find those videos, I'm going to try and share for Pro Tokyo Pro Wrestling. And that is it. I will see you next week with a full, full WRPX episode. And until then, goodbye, my friends. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>